am back. What it do, baby? No intro music today. Welcome back. Let's get right into it. This is According to Jason. I'm Jason. Um, so today we're going to be talking about my NBA playoff predictions as well as the NFL season rundown starting off with the AFC's playoff teams. We're not going to get too in-depth with the non-playoff teams, just the most in- interesting teams in the AFC today, including the um, team that just missed out on the playoffs because the NFL has added another wild card spot. So I figure, why don't we talk about the seven AFC teams, the most interesting ones? Well, at least the top AFC teams. Afterwards, we're after the rundown, we're going to be talking about my top five quarterbacks in the NFL right now and something I like to call... Where do their backups stack up? If these top five quarterbacks were to be in, were to be injured, which team would be in the best position, and which backup would be the best choice? Um, I don't think some of these teams would be very satisfied with the backups that they have if their star quarterback was injured. <clears throat> but good thing that they have star quarterbacks. You know, star quarterbacks of their caliber are paid to not get injured and play at their best level. Um, so first up is my NBA playoff predictions. First up is the Eastern Conference. The top-seeded Milwaukee Bucks were knocked off by the Miami Heat last night, or at least a couple of nights ago, and seemed to have shocked the NBA world. Well, at least those who haven't been following it, because Giannis Antetokounmpo came down with an injury with his ankle, and the Bucks were forced to play Game 5 without him. But they did play four games with him, and they ended up losing three of those games. Very shocking. But currently, the Eastern Conference Finals is a battle between the Miami Heat, led by Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Duncan Robinson, and so many other players, versus whoever wins tonight's matchup. Tonight's matchup is the Boston Celtics and the Toronto Raptors. My picks, my prediction, I'm going to have to go with the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics have proven in this series that they can win decisively and they can win close games. Um, Game one, they won by a good margin. Game two, they won by three. And honestly, Jason Tatum is becoming the face of the Eastern Conference. Jason Tatum is the star of the show. They also have stars like Jalen Brown. Marcus Smart is somehow shooting like Stephen Curry in this series. And they have Kemba Walker, the always reliable point guard out of Charlotte, who left here um, via a sign-and-trade to come to the Celtics, and now the Hornets are screwed. In the Western Conference, I'm going to have to call it the Lakers are done. They won it. The Houston Rockets are going home. The Lakers are going to the Western Conference Finals. And on the other side, it's the Denver Nuggets and the... Clippers. The Clippers are pulling away with this, okay? Not too much of a series, to be honest. It was exciting in the beginning. Jamal Murray was staying with his high-scoring output, but um, I can say with confidence that it's going to be a battle of Los Angeles in the Western Conference Finals. There's no doubt about that, but... So if Boston, in my opinion, is beating Miami, and who is winning the Western Conference, and who would win the NBA Finals? Well, I'll let you know. So, in the Western Conference, the Clippers are a formidable foe. The Lakers are a fantastic team led by 
Anthony Davis and LeBron James. But to be honest, I think that the Los Angeles Lakers are going to win this series. Los Angeles Lakers, although this is their first season in over six years of making the playoffs, they have proven just in these last few series alone that after a game one hiccup or thinking that they're going to lose, that they can pull through and they can win decisively in the in the remaining games. And in the East, I've already discussed why I think that the Boston Celtics are playing so well. Um, other than a few hiccups, like for example, uh, two games ago in which Celtics shot 21-22% from the three-point line, at least up until the third quarter, um, I feel like they can definitely pull through this series, and I think that they can beat the Miami Heat. I think that the Boston Celtics are primed for a championship run, and they are primed to make it to the NBA Finals. So, the Los Angeles Lakers and the Boston Celtics in the Finals. We have seen that time and time again. The Lakers and the Celtics having a storied history in the Finals. And the last time they met was in the 2010 NBA Finals when Kobe Bryant captured his final championship trophy against the Big 3 Celtics. Before that, in 08, the Celtics took the series. And obviously, in the storied 1980s and 1970s, 60s, basically from the early 60s all the way up until the mid to late 80s, was Celtics versus Lakers. And it would just be fantastic to see another historic, fantastic rivalry get another rematch on the biggest stage in the NBA. Other predictions. It's the MVP coming right up. They will decide... Who wins the most valuable player? Now, a lot of people are saying that they need to give it to LeBron James because Giannis won the Defensive Player of the Year. But let me ask you something. When Michael Jordan was the best defensive player in the league and the best player in the league all around, did they give him one of the awards and then give another award to someone else? Occasionally, yes. But they weren't afraid in years to realize, hey, Michael is the best defensive player in the league right now, and he's the best player in the league, period, on both sides of the ball. So they'd give him both awards. If Kareem had the defensive player of the year in the 70s, if Bill Russell, if Wilt Chamberlain, well, maybe not Wilt Chamberlain, but if Bill Russell, if Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had the defensive player of the year, don't you think that they would get the defensive player of the year along with the MVP? That was back when the players voted for the MVP. And Bill Russell won unanimous MVPs almost, almost won unanimous MVPs multiple times because the players recognized that even though he had that all-star talent, that all-star talent level lineup around him, he was the best player on that team. He was the reason that those Celtics teams were going all the way. And to be honest, I think that Giannis Antetokounmpo deserves both the Defensive Player of the Year and the MVP, and giving LeBron James the MVP would just be absolutely insane because Giannis is the better player and I don't understand the voters thinking that just because one player gets one award that they can't have another award okay I I don't understand it Wes Unseld won rookie of the year and MVP in his rookie season Michael Jordan and Hakeem Olajuwon both won the defensive player of the year and the MVP in separate seasons same season by the way it's not impossible. If the player is good enough, if the player is at that level, he deserves it. He deserves both awards. And uh, the Rookie of the Year. So, speaking of the Rookie of the Year, 
Ja Morant almost won unanimous rookie of the year. He won 99 out of the 100 votes necessary, first place votes, in order to win the award. And all I could think of, how insanely petty could you be to be that one person who voted for Zion Williamson when it was completely obvious that Ja Morant, who played almost all of the 60 games, 60 plus games that were in the NBA season, plus the play-in tournament, plus the eight bubble games, like, and Zion Williamson, up before the bubble, played 19 games. And they look at his stats, they say, well, what about Zion's stats? Zion has better stats. So what? John Morant was more consistent and a better leader and a better player and had a much better record in that time. And honestly, I can't really judge the record because Jaw played the entire season, whereas Zion only played about a quarter of the season. But to be honest, I feel like just the fact that Jaw was able to play that long gets him that award. To be honest, if Zion played 65-plus games as Jaw did, I think we would look at their stats and we would realize still that John Morant is the best player, the best rookie in the league. And honestly, I I didn't even think that Zion was the number two guy in the race. And to be completely honest, there were guys like Kendrick Nunn. And honestly, just Kendrick Nunn was my second place. He was the guy that if Jaw somehow didn't win the award. I thought Kendrick Nunn for the Miami Heat would be the rookie of the year. And Zion isn't even in the same rookie stratosphere right now. He's an excellent player. He's very exciting. But if you were to look at his stats, if you were to play the same number of games as the rest of them, I don't think you'd be saying the same thing. I don't think there'd be people saying that Zion Williamson won rookie of the year in their minds if they looked and saw Zion over 60 games versus over 25 thing games. Next up is the NFL season rundown. This week we'll be talking about the AFC. We're going to be talking about the six teams that made the playoffs last year and then a plus a seventh team because the NFL has expanded to now have seven playoff teams. First up is the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens went 14-2 and last year. Pretty good. And the pros for the Baltimore Ravens is A, they have a good schedule and they strengthened the run by adding J.K. Dobbins from Ohio. J.K. Dobbins, who had a really good season in Ohio, and he was their number one draft pick, or at least their first-round draft pick. They strengthened their defense with Patrick Queen, the linebacker out of LSU, who won defensive MVP of the national championship um, in LSU versus Clemson. Patrick Queen, learning under that linebacking core eventually could be the face of that Ravens defense and um yeah be very fantastic for the defensive end um I'm not good at predicting records uh as you might have seen from last year uh to be honest I'm just going to be going as kind of a range so uh around as many wins and not the exact record that they think they're going to finish but I think that the Ravens are going to finish around 11 wins um, they lost Earl Thomas. Um, they lost a few key players on the defensive end. Um, but I feel like ultimately they'll have a very similar season to last year. Um, they have a good schedule, but um, 
it's a strong one as well. They have to play the Steelers and the Cleveland Browns, and the Cleveland Browns, though disappointing last year, are still formidable in the AFC. Um, so I'm saying around 11 wins for the Baltimore Ravens. So they were the top seed in the AFC last year in the second place seed, the Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Last year, they went 12-4. and <clears throat> This year, I think they'll win around 12-13 to 13 games. Mostly because my man Patrick Mahomes is fully healthy. <clears throat> they have their key players such as Tyran Matthew, or Tyran Matthew, I'm, I'm sorry, I butchered his name. And Chris Jones on the defensive end locking up those guys. They have locked up other key players such as Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill. They have Andy Reid, coaching legend, walrus legend, locked up as well. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs, I can see as a very similar record to last year. And now that Mahomes um, is potentially healthy, fingers crossed that he's healthy for the rest of the season, I could see a very similar record to last year, uh, 12-13 wins. New England Patriots, who went uh, 12-4 last year, they were the third seed in the AFC. They lost Brady, Patrick Chung, Hightower, um... Chung and Hightower are opting out due to the coronavirus, and Brady uh, went to Tampa Bay. Um, But they still have the Defensive Player of the Year in Stephon Gilmore. They still have Bill Belichick, and um, they got Cam Newton. Cam Newton has a very high ceiling. The injury history is not very good looking. If Cam doesn't uh, perform and, you know as most experts have predicted, that the Patriots could potentially fall out of the playoffs, but I could see Cam Newton having a pretty good season. Um, I think that their their um, second-year wide receiver, Nikhil Harry, who was drafted with their first-round pick, could have the potential, if fully healthy, to have a pretty solid season. And never count out Bill Belichick. I've never counted out Bill Belichick until this, se- until this team is completely gutted and Bill is gone. That's when I'll count out the Patriots. But with Belichick on the sidelines, calling the plays, making the defensive adjustments, I'm not counting out the Patriots. The Houston Texans, who last year went 10-6, and they lost DeAndre Hopkins. And Bill O'Brien is an idiot. Um, he's trading all of his good pieces for third-round picks. It's ridiculous. They added the uh, all-around running back in David Johnson, who led the league in fantasy points for running back about three years ago um who's been quite the disappointment um but had a solid year and hopefully he can bounce back he's a pretty good receiving threat running back um they added kenny stills and brandon cooks who um probably won't fill the hole that deandre hopkins has but i could see this team winning anywhere from nine wins i'd say eight to nine wins for the houston texans Buffalo Bills last year, they went 10-6. and six. They added Stephon Diggs, who was not happy in Minnesota. They have a nice young defense. And Josh Allen, ready to break out. I don't know if he will. He's had some struggles. I mean, he doesn't know quite what he is. He, is he a running quarterback? Is he a passing quarterback? He's probably got one of the strongest arms in the NFL. Probably the strongest arm in the NFL, unless Patrick Mahomes has anything to say about it. Um, but anyways, they've got a good young team, and I could see them winning a very similar record. I'd say potentially nine wins. All right, on to our sixth team, the Tennessee Titans, who were the final playoff spot of last year. Last year, they went 9-7. and seven. On their end, they lost Jarrell Casey and Walker, 
and they seem to have improved. They've gotten good young pieces with their top draft pick, Isaiah Wilson. Um, the team's stayed very similar. They've added Vic Beasley. They've locked up Tannehill and Henry. Um, their floor is missing the playoffs with seven or eight wins, but I think that their ceiling is a very similar record to last year. I could see them either with eight to ten, eight to ten wins, eight being the absolute uh, worst case scenario where the Titans are terrible, and the best case scenario is about ten wins. And I when I say eight wins, it's not that terrible. So let's be honest. And the final team in the AFC is the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers missed the playoffs last year, but under this new format of seven teams in the playoffs, three wild card spots, the Steelers would have won this year. They have, or at least the Steelers would have made the playoffs this this last year. The Steelers went eight and eight. Um, this year, I could see them winning at least ten to eleven games because Ben Roethlisberger is back. Um, we're expecting um, a much better season from Juju Smith-Schuster now that he is um, off of the injury, <clears throat> off of the injury reserve, and they added players like Eric Ebron. Uh, they still have Minka Fitzpatrick on the defensive end, which is a fantastic player. Um, <clears throat> James Conner had an off year um, last year, but honestly, I still think that he could build upon the year he had two years ago. Um, Steelers were really good. Um, everywhere except for their quarterbacks they had neither of their quarterbacks um past the 2000 yard passing mark and that's pretty much a standard if you're going to be a quarterback in the national F football league is being able to pass consistently um mason rudolph who was suspended um in the helmet throwing incident with uh miles garrett and delvin duck hodges an adult man who's nicknamed duck was playing quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So now that they've got that sorted out, even though Roethlisberger is old, um, he's proven that um, age isn't really a factor. He's <clears throat> gotten out of his alcohol addiction. He's no longer Big Ben, you know, big, as in doesn't work out and is kind of thick. And he's gotten out of that. He's a lot more healthier. And he also led the league two years ago in passing yardage so I still think that even in his age he can still be an effective quarterback in this league and I could see this Steelers team as a very good playoff team in the future next up is my top five quarterbacks in the NFL right now in the NFL right now first up is Patrick Mahomes Patrick Mahomes is the Super Bowl MVP had a fantastic season this year even after missing two games due to an ankle injury, he, despite throwing an interception, led the Chiefs on a on a on a game-winning drive against the San Francisco 49ers, and the 49ers choked in the Super Bowl, and Mahomes took home the game MVP, last year's MVP of the regular season, and looking to build upon <clears throat> these last two seasons. Um, after receiving his 10-year, $503 million deal. Mahomes is just a fantastic player, great arm strength, and proven leader, fantastic player, and will be very good for the Chiefs in these next few seasons. Number two is Russell Wilson, who I thought should have been MVP of the league. Russell has steadily improved every single season, and this year he had his probably his best season yet throwing a career low five interceptions over 4,000 yards passing 
and has really turned into a fantastic pocket passer. You know, um, even under a shaky offensive line where he still has to scramble occasionally, he's still turned into a fantastic pocket passer over time. Number three is Deshaun Watson for the Houston Texans. Houston Texans have a golden boy, and apart from last night's outing, I still think that he could have a really fantastic season this year. Um, He looked uh, pretty shaky without DeAndre Hopkins um, last night against the Chiefs as the Chiefs blew out the blew out the Houston Texans on Thursday night football but he's a fantastic player he played fantastically last year and he could really build upon this season and have a really good season at number four is Lamar Jackson the reigning regular season MVP who won the unanimous MVP um, who I think probably should have been at least third second or third behind Russell Wilson at least because Russell Wilson was fantastic Lamar Jackson could do it with his arm and do it on the ground. He was the first quarterback since Michael Vick in the 2000, and I'd like to say 2004 season, to uh, rush for a thousand yards. He, but uh, unlike Vick, he threw for a lot more yards as well. He threw tons of touchdowns and led the Ravens to a 14 and two record. But he's 0 and two in the playoffs. He didn't win a playoff game. The Ravens were supposed to go all the way, and they got upset by the Tennessee Titans team that was supposed to lose in the wildcard round. That's all I have to say. He's a tremendously talented player, and I ate my words about him being a running back, but he really needs to win before he's the, I consider him the number one quarterback in the league. At number five is Tom Brady. Although he declined last year, I still think that Tommy Terrific is just as good as any other year. And with all those pieces in Tampa Bay, and we're going to get to that in the NFC episode, um, I could really see him having uh, another amazing season coming up. Finally, um, is where do their backups stack up? Something I like to do uh, is look at the quarterbacks on each team and see um, if you were to look at these star quarterbacks, um, which team would be looking pretty if their star quarterback went down, and which team would really be hurting if their star ended up on the IR. We'll be looking at the top five quarterbacks that I just picked and their backups and see who would be in the best situation to win if their multi-million dollar quarterback ended up injured. So at number one, the Baltimore Ravens are looking the best with their quarterback situation right now with Lamar Jackson as their starter, pretty good player, but they also have Robert Griffin III as their backup. Now, RG3, if anyone has been living under a rock, um, had a fantastic rookie season with the Washington, uh, sorry, the Washington football team, and he fell off after that um, due to injury and being rushed back into the starting lineup too soon after that injury against the Seahawks in that wild card game and he's declined slightly, but he's only 30 years old right now, and he's still just as athletic, we've proven, because he played um, a couple of snaps in at the running back role behind Lamar Jackson, and played a game as quarterback with Lamar injured. He won that game and tossed a touchdown in that game. The two interceptions in that game, probably uh, a little concerning, but I still think that RG3, despite the injury history, is still, well, at least 70% of what he was in his rookie season, so still a very fantastic backup, 
and uh, uh, not a bad situation for the Baltimore Ravens. Number two, the Kansas City Chiefs um, really don't have to worry as much. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is a transcendent player, but Matt Moore is a fantastic backup. The Kansas City Chiefs were able to adjust to um, the loss of Patrick Mahomes, and in the two games that Matt Moore started, he tossed four touchdowns and zero interceptions and had 65% completion percentage. They were able to adjust um, to a more Matt Moore-friendly offense, and without Patrick Mahomes, they were still able to win one game out of the two and stay at that top spot in the AFC. So if <clears throat> if Patrick Mahomes were to be injured, Matt Moore would be not that bad, to be completely honest. I think that Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs would not be worried if Matt Moore ended up having to take over in a late-game situation because he's a very solid player and proven in Miami that he could be a really good starter as well um, before being injured. Next up is A.J. McCarron for the Houston Texans. He hasn't had that much exposure to an NFL game. He had a fantastic career in Alabama, and he's only started hit a career-high number of starts. has been three starts in Cincinnati, um, but he hasn't had that much exposure. That's why he's in the third spot um, of this top five list because, honestly, Deshaun Watson's fantastic. And I'm not sure if the Texans would be that happy with him going down and Deshaun Watson playing. At number four is <clears throat> Russell Wilson's backup, Geno Smith. Geno Smith, to be honest, I don't think that the Seahawks really want Geno on the field. I don't think that they want. I don't think that they want uh, Russell Wilson injured. Uh, Geno started two seasons as the New York Jets quarterback and Jets fans probably don't like me bringing up Geno Smith. He didn't play very well and ended up getting replaced by Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, bounced around the league, um, had one game as the New York Giants starter and ended Eli Manning's perfect streak of starting a ton of games under center for the New York Giants. He played for the LA Chargers and now he is with the Seattle Seahawks, and I really think that the Seattle Seahawks would want to keep Russell on the field. And finally is Blaine Gabbert for Tampa Bay. Brady needs to stay on the field because Blaine Gabbert has proven as a first-round pick in Jacksonville and any other team replacing <clears throat> uh, Colin Kaepernick in San Francisco despite um, um good statistics, has not been a winner at all, and trust me, the Patriots, or not the Patriots, trust me, <clears throat> the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would definitely want to keep Tom Brady on the field. And that's it. Thank you for listening. Um, if you want to learn more about when podcasts come out, or when I record podcasts, or uh, just see other memes, go to my Instagram page, according.jpodcasts. Uh, thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day.